Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. There's a few cool announcements and a bunch of videos I want to show you guys. Plus, I have an interview at the end with Phone Dork. So let's just get right to it and start with the news. So first up is some pretty huge news regarding the Analog NT Mini. Kevtris, the guy behind the guts of it, has released special firmware that adds a ton of fun- uh, functionality to it. So first of all, through the SD card, you can play ROMs now. And not only is, this, is it its own ROM cart, but you're actually able to play games that aren't supported off of the power pack and EverDrive. On top of that, you're able to load other FPGA cores from based on other consoles, so you're essentially turning it into multiple consoles now. At the moment, he has ColecoVision, Game Gear, Master System, SG-1000 all in that as well, and he said there's more cores coming pretty soon. He just needs to test and kind of make the last additions. So I have a full review of it, complete with all the behind-the-scenes stuff you can imagine. Um, but just to skip to the end for people that maybe just you know want the tidbits, it's my opinion that when it was just a NES and Famicom device that allowed you to play it off of cartridges, it was still v- very, very awesome and one of the few just out-of-the-box solutions that you could buy. But it's very expensive, and it was really meant for people that have the extra money to spend on something like that. You know, the type of person that all they need is a Toyota, but they would rather have the Lexus. There's nothing wrong with that. That's absolutely awesome. But with this update, even if he didn't add any more cores, with just this update alone, it's now the more affordable option. If you really think about it, if you needed to buy a Nintendo and a ColecoVision, just those two, let's say, and get the ROM carts for them, and get their RGB mods, and then buy an upscaler so you could also play it on a flat screen, you're already over the cost of the NT Mini. So I'm pretty impressed. Uh, I'm I'm blown away at both the quality and the features you get for it, and I just think it's really awesome, and uh, I, I just... My only hope is that they someday come out with a cheaper version that maybe isn't as pretty, because this really is well-built and looks great. Maybe they just come out with one with, like, a plastic, cheap plastic case and, you know, cut a bunch of money off the price or something. But that's it. It's really my only criticism is the cost. Everything else, um, this is just amazing. And you get RGB, component, S-video, composite, and HDMI up to 1080p 5X for all consoles. So, I mean, just the thought of playing Master System games in RGB without any interference on the analog line, that alone is pretty darn amazing. So I hope anybody that's more interested in it, definitely check out the link. Uh, And if not, uh, I guess I just hopefully gave you all the basic info you'd need from it. Next up, Smoke Monster has a really big addition to his ROM packs. He's added an Atari 2600 pack. And he said the N8, so the Nintendo stuff, is launching with tons of new content and different add-on packs that he hasn't had before. Um, And he's also adding his arcade packs to them. 
There's also a new uh, subdirectory of the nest packs that are meant for the NT Mini only, because that at the moment is the only thing that could play some of these larger ROMs, like uh, or or the unsupported mapper ROMs like Legend of Link, that Zelda game I've been playing that I really like a lot. Um, so yeah, huge thanks to him and thanks to all the people that have been helping out to try to get these ROM packs more complete, because this is just makes all of our lives easier. So um, I'll definitely be downloading all of them right away. A new NES ROM was just dumped. I believe it's a Korean game called Magic Kid Gugu, um, and it looks just based off the pictures, kind of like Super Mario 2, although I haven't had a chance to play it yet. But it's pretty neat, because we're still finding cartridges that haven't had their ROMs dumped, even all these years later. So anybody interested, check it out, and it could only be played on emulators or the Analog NT Mini, because the mapper isn't supported any anywhere else yet. Another really huge update this week, the OSSC, the Open Source Scan Converter, just added 4x and 5x 1080p scaling, which I think is a really big deal, because now you have a device that is now pretty close to on par with the FrameMeister. It doesn't have a frame buffer, which the major difference with that is uh, you get zero lag, but that also doesn't guarantee compatibility with every TV. So um, you would might still have to add another component in between. Some people were checking out like DVDO micros and things like that, but overall I just think it's really awesome that he was able to put so much into this. Um, just a ton of props to Marcus for doing this and to keep supporting his product. Um, he also did mention that this is pretty much at its uh, hardware cap for what it could do. So there aren't going to be too many other huge updates to this in the future, but he's going to continue to support it and tweak it and um, you know, I, also the software for this is fully open source, so if anybody else wanted to take a look, um, they could as well. But I just really love this thing, and I'm happy that they keep supporting it. A few other features they added was a, a pass-through option for all modes, um, 960i and 1080i support, and 4387 aspect ratio selections. So, you know, even if they keep putting in smaller features, I, I'll just happy to use it. In fact, the only real complaint I have is we all don't have one yet. Um, I just, uh, I totally understand when something's privately made that you can't just slap down a hundred thousand bucks and have a bunch made, but hopefully they'll get production issues into check and we'll all be able to purchase one soon. So I recently found out that I was very wrong about something I've been saying for years. All Genesis 3 consoles do output RGB unless they're broken. I was arguing with friends of mine about this, and they insisted that they do output RGB. So I went down to Brooklyn Video Games, and the owner, Steve, was nice enough to let me take all of his Genesis 3s apart and test them. Um, and I was literally sitting there cross-legged on the floor of his store with customers around, you know, trying to pull things apart and test them using his RGB monitor. And it was really nice of him to let me do that, especially because I don't have the space to do it now. So... Um, I had it all spread out and all figured out, and I was convinced, absolutely convinced, that at least one of them were not going to output RGB, because I know for a fact I tested one that didn't. Well, I must have just tested one that was broken, and then read on all the forums that Genesis 3s don't output RGB, and assumed. Which I don't usually do that, I usually put more research into anything, especially SNES and Genesis, those are my favorite consoles, really, so... I don't know how I let this one slip all these years, but we have an, uh, a hypothesis on why people think it doesn't output uh, RGB. Unlike the other consoles, you have to push the, uh, the RGB cable 
pretty far in. And I'll show pictures for anybody uh, watching on YouTube, and anybody listening will probably want to come back and check this out. But basically, you have to have a cable that passes through the plastic hole into it. And unlike the Genesis 1, for example, where the hole is much bigger than the port, this one isn't. So I would think that it's a possibility that maybe some cables weren't fitting in all the way, and that uh, especially the custom cables. Um, I have the ones from both retro console accessories and retro gaming cables, and both of them worked fine. Um, the HD RetroVision cables worked fine. So I'm thinking that the only thing, the Genesis 3 console that was broken on my end, my guess is that the uh, the actual input port was probably a little bit bad, and when I touched up the solder joints on the bottom, everything started working again. Um, I had actually, on mine, I cut the traces and ran the wires and everything, but mine definitely didn't output RGB because I had the board out and I had it plugged in. But I actually went back and found that unit. Um, I had that one that was broken. I had given to my friend Justin, and when uh, we were arguing about this, I had to mail it right back. And I took it apart and checked again. And that one would, it, you know, before I cut the traces and everything, it probably would have outputted RGB if I just fixed the connector. So um, if you guys have any experience with this, post in the comments. But basically, if you have a Genesis three try it just to see um and I, it's probably going to work even if you have to take the motherboard out just so you can get the connector in all the way give it a try I, it's 99.9 percent .9 chance that it'll work so i've updated the, the little uh you know little blurb on my genesis page about that to reflect it only thing to keep in mind is that they are all mono audio um, and there's been some debate about that, but the only ones, it either is mono on the left channel or mono comes out of both speakers. I don't know if that's a cable thing or the, the motherboard revision, but that's also kind of an easy fix too, because you could just jump the mono audio pin over to left and right. Um, it's still mono. It would just come out of both speakers. So it's still not the perfect console. It still doesn't have support for like virtual racing, master system games, they said Gargoyles doesn't work on it, and Game Genie. But um, I've been using mine now, and the RGB output's actually very good quality, at least on mine. So if you just want to play basic Genesis games, um, you know, they're cheap and small. If you're looking to save space, it's not a bad idea. I would just recommend doing an audio, at the very least, an audio amp upgrade to it so you get full stereo. And DB Electronics, of course, has their RGB bypass coming out soon that has the audio built in. So I don't know that you would really need an RGB bypass on it. The ones that I've seen tested, you know, pretty well. There was still a little bit of jail bars, but nothing nearly as bad as the other revisions. But, hey, you know, maybe just kill two birds with one stone and do it all at once. But, yeah, I was pretty shocked about that. So Genesis 3's output RGB. Next up, Mike Moffat has a new board design for his N64 VGA project, or I think maybe the board is finalized and he's just testing a new rev of it, but he said in about a week he'll be able to test and see where he's at. Um, so that's great. Now we soon to have another option for N64. I know a lot of people that do the, the, the gaming tournaments, I think the Smash tournaments with them, um, it's much easier to get CRT VGA monitors than anything else. And of course they look better than consumer grade TVs. So something like this would really be perfect. Lag free, 480p VGA out, just get a bunch of old CRT tubes and have a, a lag free, um, you know, lag free competition. Uh, so yeah, I can't wait to see it and hopefully give one a try. My Life in Gaming has just started a B-roll channel 
where they post all of their game footage for other people to use in their projects, which is pretty awesome because they have a ton of great footage from different games and consoles, and rather just have it sit on their hard drives, they're donating it to the public pretty much to use. And yes, of course, you still get a little bit of the YouTube compression on it and everything, but um, they just wanted to provide higher quality game footage for people. So thanks to them for you know donating their extras to the community. I'm sure it'll come in handy. And it, they're just starting out now, so there isn't too much up there, but they're going to continue to post as they have extra footage. So thanks to them. This isn't really any new news. I just recently stumbled across something and realized that I never talked about it before. But there's a few groups of people that actually take older classic sports games and update them with modern rosters. So I stumbled across NBA Jam 2017, so it's the Super Nintendo version with all the modern players in it, and they added their own secrets just like in the original. Um, very cool. And of course there's the team behind the Tecmo Bowl updates that every year they update them with the, the newest team rosters. So I just thought that was really neat, and uh, anybody that's a fan of classic sports games that have a ROM cart and want to play them today, definitely check it out just for fun, because it's the same exact experience that you had, but you know now there's players that you see on TV today as you're watching the games. There's an update to the Atari 5200 project. It looks like the first group of units have already shipped, and if you check the link in the description, you could actually check your current status. Um, and also, it, he said it looks like a second run will be necessary to meet all the orders. So, a small bit of bad news, if you were one of the last people to order, you're probably going to have to wait. But in my opinion, that's really good news, because that means there's a demand for this thing, and that Simeus will probably continue to make them. Um, one of the biggest problems we have in the retro gaming community is somebody will come up with a cool product, do a small run, and then disappear. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of people are really wanting a lot of things that you can't get their hands on. Um, and so now that there's actually a proven demand, hopefully he'll be able to continue to make them and maybe he'll just have, uh, like game tech does where there's just a constant pre-order going on. And whenever anybody, whenever there's enough orders to make uh, a batch, he'll just send it out and continue going. But, um, I'm still really interested in actually experiencing this console for the first time. And I even talk about that in the interview later on. So, uh, yeah, any 5,200 fans definitely let me know and, Maybe we could, uh, I could try, I have a list of games to try or something. Smoke Monster sent me another cool tip this week. There's a Nest 2 JAMA project made by somebody whose screen name, I don't even think you're supposed to say it out loud, so, Wavugs? Sorry. Um, but it's basically designed for people whose Nintendo consoles output RGB, and they want to put them inside a JAMA arcade cabinet. So while this isn't for everybody, um, this is definitely something I've seen before, and to have an actual project designed around it to make it easier for people is really cool. So anybody interested in something like that, definitely check it out. It looks like Castlevania is getting a Netflix original series. Um, the main producer behind it posted on Facebook and said that he personally guarantees that it will end the streak and be the Western world's first good video game adaptation. I liked Tomb Raider. I liked the first Mortal Kombat movie. I mean, they weren't, you know, they weren't life-changing, you know, award-winning movies, but I thought they were pretty good. But I did love everybody's uh, commentary as soon as that popped up, and a bunch of people were just making Castlevania jokes, and uh, Mike Matei posted, I wonder if the new Netflix animated Castlevania series will have a box pop up in the air that interrupts the episode. I actually laughed out loud when I read that one, so... uh yeah, I guess I'll give it a try. I have Netflix, so why not? But 
I have little faith in video game adaptations to movies or TV. Saint from Retro HQ has posted another update to his Neo Geo Pocket ROM cart, um, and it looks like it's coming along great. Um, he didn't give a specific release date, but I would guess that it's probably going to be done by the end of the year. I mean, it's only one guy doing all the work, but he's come pretty far along with it at this point. And uh, I know I sound like a broken record when I say this. People that listen every week are probably like, oh, shut up. But I love ROM carts, and I love experiencing the games that I couldn't find or couldn't afford. And I really do buy all my favorites, but it's just it's so cool to be able to go through and you know spend five minutes each on 20 different games and go, wow, most of those sucked, but I really love and found this, and it's a hidden gem to me, and... So yeah, I'm, I really just, I want every ROM cart so I could try all of the weird hidden gems and the games that I didn't realize that I would like that I would have never been able to play without it. So I'll be getting one as soon as it's out and do a, a little mini review of it, but I just expect it'll work exactly as good as his Lynx ROM cart. So um, I'll leave the link in the description to his YouTube channel, which you could subscribe to and get updates as he posts these videos if you're interested. I was invited down to take a look at a CRT RGB mod, uh, kind of midway in progress, and of course I headed right down to take a look at it. Uh, my buddy Jose took another consumer-grade CRT and was modding the jungle chip for RGB, and it was really cool to see it in progress, uh, but as well as seeing that, I get to see a few others that he'd done. I think he's done over four now? And uh, he was the one, he was the person that did the first consumer grade mod that I'd seen in person. And while I thought that one was great, these came out even better. They were 27 inch curved tube TVs. And in all honesty, it looked exactly like an arcade monitor to me. Um, and they must have been exactly like we talked about in the few uh, the weeks past. They must have been newer, low hour consumer grade TVs. But I was just absolutely impressed. Um, and I asked him to show a little bit about how he does the mod so by the time i got there he'd obviously taken the entire tv apart and then pulled the board out and <clears throat> excuse me he was you know three quarters of the way through of the actual wiring up so i'll just uh the audio isn't great but it's a really short clip so i'll just pan over to that for people that want to just see what it looks like and have him explain it the jungle chip right yeah i lifted my uh red green over there and i lifted a uh, fast um fast blanket but then I grabbed the original signal from the bottom and set that up. So this will be to the middle of the switch right here. This is the middle of the switch. Gotcha. That's the original signals going in. This is my OSD. So all of this is going to one side of the switch, meaning it's uh, OSD, red, green, blue, the original blanking signal. And then all three of these go to the middle. Then the side that's left is going to be for my uh, SCART socket right there. SCART socket. And I got my, uh, what was my, uh, oh, sure. oh, this is my five volts for blanking. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, obviously, I caught him mid-mod, so all the wires were kind of just, you know, sticking out, of course, because he's still working on them. Um, there was more to that video, but the sound got kind of bad, so I'll just go into a little bit of what he said. But basically, he has all the wires run around and through the boards like that, and he has them very tight and running them, of course, around all the power components. So that way, when you put all the uh, components back together, you don't have to worry about the wires getting pinched. So that's why he has, um, has them tacked down like that. And for anybody watching, no, the glue wasn't on solder joints. It was just there to hold the wires together while, um, while he put it back together. 
but uh, I thought, it, you know, I didn't stay till the end, but I, I thought the other ones that he did there came out really great. And you could see anybody watching where the SCART connector was cut out. You know, you see the switch right there. I mean, it really, it looks like a pro job. So I think, you know, this has two really great uses. Obviously, for anybody that can't find an RGB monitor, um, this would be, in my opinion, a, a really awesome solution. And the size is a big difference, too because you can get 27-inch really good tube TVs for pretty cheap, if not nothing. They're very common. But a 27-inch RGB monitor, I mean, forget it. You could find 20 and 14, but anything bigger is usually a pain. And the quality varies, of course. So uh, I think if I ever make another stand-up MAME machine, I, I would probably take one of these. That way I could use a nice big 27-inch tube and try my best to mount it in there to make it look for real. But... Yeah, I was impressed. Um, if you guys want to follow Jose on Twitter, uh, I keep trying to get him to post more of his install picks on there. Um, so maybe if he gets more followers, he'll be more inclined to do so. But uh, I was really impressed with the work that they were doing. And uh, I just, yeah, definitely if you have the opportunity to have a TV like that modded by somebody that knows what they're doing and isn't going to electrocute themselves or you, uh, I would recommend it. And if I had the space to take one, I would probably buy one of those off of them just to have, just to show off to people, because I thought it was really cool. And the fact that the component, I mean, the composite video inputs are still active, now you'll get a really true idea of the difference between going in like that. Which reminds me, I think the next time I swing down there, I'm going to try to get exactly that. I'll bring my DSLR and do a composite and RGB pick of the same console on the same modded CRT. So if anybody has any questions about that, um, I'm down there like once a month or so at least. Uh, I could certainly set something up and go down and hang out with those guys and maybe do a, a live Q&A if you had any questions about CRT modding. I think they'd be up for that. So definitely post in the comments, uh, and I have a link to Jose's Twitter in there as well. And lastly, I found another game store that I really wanted to mention. Now, I know this is going to suck for people that don't live around the New York area, but just bear with me because I'll try to make it short, and I really just thought it was worth mentioning. Um, Digital Press Games in Clifton, New Jersey, I think. I didn't even know they were there. I just Googled retro game, uh, retro game store when I was driving around to a buddy's house, and that popped up. And I guess they're the, also the Digital Press Forum online. I didn't realize that. But as soon as I walked in, I just noticed all the rare stuff they had. Anything from, you know, Nintendo Power magazines to, you know, to arcade cabinets to stand-up displays. And then the next thing I noticed is that everything was priced fairly. And I just, I mean, I, I rarely find that, you know? I talked uh, just in this podcast about Brooklyn video games. Those guys are great, fair prices. Um, I've been I've known the guy from Retro Games Plus, Chris. Uh, I had him on as an interview. That's another group of stores that's very fair and you know treat their customers great. But I don't really find that very often. I just you know I found a place in New York City that was charging $120 for an unmodded Atari 2600. So to find places like this, I really feel like it's worth mentioning at least you know a little bit on the podcast. Um, and they also I saw they had refurbished game gears. And I asked, well, what do you mean refurbished? They said, oh, well, we do the full capacitor replacement. So not only do they sell it for a reasonable price, I think it was about 50 bucks, but if you bring your Game Gear in, it's 40 for a cap replacement. So, I mean, that's totally fair in my opinion, and that's just a great price. And while there's a lot of great modders online, you still have to pay for shipping both ways. So if you live in that area around, I mean, I think it was only 20 minutes from Manhattan. So if you live around that area, it might be worth checking out. 
Um, and they have cool bargain bins, so you know rather than test stuff that may or may not sell, they threw them in. And I dug out of there and found a whole bunch of stuff that uh, I ended up using that all worked. It says untested $2, but everything I bought worked, so I got pretty lucky. Um, the only thing I hate about stores like this is I always walk away spending a shitload of money. <laughs> I'm obviously not going to blame the store for that, but I'm walking around like, oh, well, I really need to buy one of these. Let me just check it out see if they have it. And then I walk out, you know, a hundred bucks missing. So um, if you're around that area, definitely check it out. And uh, props to those guys. And I believe they said they were considering doing RGB mods going over uh, in the future. So if that happens, I'll definitely, I got to get a list on my site of like trusted modders or something, but I'll have them post pictures of their work and, and list them as a place. But yeah, it's just great to find another store that that's around me that I could show. Um, I don't know how else I could help promote people that aren't around me, but uh, maybe I'll try to find a page for that too, like good game stores or something. But, uh, you know, thanks to those guys for being nice to me and let me wander around their store with a camera and ask a million questions. But uh, uh, I hope if you're in the area, you check it out. Before I get into the Q&A stuff, I just owe a quick apology about something I said last week. Um... I had said something that came out the wrong way, and I know I do that all the time, but this time it, it directly it sounded like I was digging somebody that didn't deserve it. And I'll tell you why first, and then I'll say what it was. But the problem is that I'm friends with Renee. I talk to him on a regular basis. So when we were doing the interview, there were many times that we picked up on conversations that we've already been having, which if I was better at giving interviews, I wouldn't do that. You know, when you interview a stranger, you don't know anything about them, so everything is a new conversation. And a couple of times we kind of got into things that, you know, without giving an intro to it, I thought we did an okay job keeping it on track for people to follow. But, you know, I, I'm getting better at these things, but I'm still kind of an amateur at it. And at one point we were talking about a few different things at the same time. But Renee was holding up his 3D model of the SNES multi-out with his, um, you know, with, that came, oh, that he open sourced to give out. So the conversation that he and I have had ongoing for a while is about open source, price gouging, and one of the things we'd mentioned when I got my SNES Raspberry Pi case, there was about 10 sellers. I bought mine for 20. Some people were selling the exact same thing for 100. So that's, you know, I was talking about 3D printing and price gouging. Um, and then we were talking about when people have the only thing of something, you know, a lot of times they'll come in and charge a million bucks for it because... You know, they can, because they're the only one. Well, I didn't realize at the time, because in my head, I, this is, I'm just continuing a conversation with my friend about open source and shit, but it really seemed like we were digging on the team that were selling those multi-out connectors. And it's a little funny, because if just a little past that in the interview, Renee actually talks about how those were made in good quality, and they're not 3D printed, so they're, they're actually a smooth, good quality design. But it did totally come across as if I was just sending out a dig, like, look at these guys overcharging for things. And that's not what I meant. And I got an email from Eric, um, the guy who did the 3D modeling. And it was a really nice email. It wasn't like, fuck off, Bob, you're an asshole. It was a very nice email. And I didn't, until he sent that email, I didn't even realize that that's how that came out. So uh, sorry to him and sorry to anybody else that I... Uh, uh, that I might offend. And I, you know, even in the interview with Phone Dork today, like, I had a situation where somebody wronged me, 
I tried really hard to be polite, and they acted like an ass, so I call them out on it in the interview. Not phone dork, but the person we were talking about. I don't feel bad about that. Maybe I should. Maybe that a lot more people are starting to watch this. I should keep my mouth shut and not badmouth somebody just because of one personal experience. But, or, or maybe I should. Maybe I should just put my thoughts out there. I don't know. But when something like that happens, I don't feel bad because that's my actual feeling towards what happened. But when stuff like this with the, the you know, the 3D connector and stuff, I feel really bad because that's not what I meant at all. So a big apology to the guy, those guys selling it. I think Retrofixes sells it now. I link to it on my website. So obviously if I had a problem with it, I wouldn't link to it. Um, and I believe Helder designed the original uh, PCB of it, but... Wes from Retrofixes is upkeeping that now. I think I got all that right, but I'm really sorry that that came across the wrong way. And if I ever, uh, if I'm ever talking about you and your projects and it comes out wrong, just let me know. And yeah, I'd appreciate a nice email like Eric sent. But if you want to tell me to fuck off, that's fine too. But you know, let me know and I'll clear it up. Um, and I'll try to be more conscious of how things come out. And uh, if you guys decide that you hate me because of an opinion I truly believe in, uh, there's nothing I can do about it. I just I would rather have that than have everybody pissed at me for something I didn't mean at all. So I hope that wasn't too long of a rant, and uh, I hope uh, everybody accepts my apology for saying that wrong. And, uh, yeah, uh, I guess on to the rest of the Q&As. Okay, on a lighter note, Sobe Monster asked, A topic I'd like to suggest would be if you know anyone who builds home-use arcade cabinets. Advice on building them from basic to advanced. Just an idea. Uh, yeah, I love that idea. I would love to ha either have, at the very least, I would love a link to somebody that's trustworthy that we could purchase these services from. But I would also love to have somebody on that could talk about that. Because I know, you know, you could find them online ranging from cheap to very expensive. And I'm not really sure which one which ones are the better ones to buy. But I know personally there's a few things that I would always have loved to have. I, I would love to take a 14-inch BVM and build a, a desktop arcade setup. And I realize how deep that would be and everything, but whatever. And just, you know, have everything right there. And I just, I don't know anybody that could do that for me. And I also would absolutely love to have a stand-up arcade built from scratch using a very big RGB modded consumer CRT, just like I was talking about before. So to find something huge, like a 32-inch TV that's good enough, and have Jose RGB mod it with me, and have somebody mount it into a home, you know, a custom-built arcade cab, um, I think would be incredible because I'd love the bigger size for an arcade. And that way, I mean, you know, even before I got fat, I was always this wide. I mean, I'm almost six feet tall. So when I'm trying to play Mortal Kombat with Scott, our elbows are up. You know, Scott, I think, is my height or taller. So our elbows are up in each other's chest. I would love a huge 32-inch stand-up arcade cabinet for us to, to be able to play on. So, um, yeah, if anybody knows anybody that would be willing to come on and talk on Skype or if there's anybody in the New York area, I would totally drive to go interview somebody about that. So please post in the comments if, if anybody knows. Okay, Mario LeMaestra said, The really long Mark III to Master System converter PCB is designed to be housed in a Mark III cartridge. I probably should have realized that, and I kind of feel dumb for not knowing it. But uh, thank you for letting me know. And speaking of 3D printing, if anybody has an open source model of that they want to send me, um, Renee has the 3D models for uh, regular Master System carts, but these are the Mark III ones, the thinner, taller ones. So I don't want to ca uh, cannibalize one of my very few Mark III games, but if anybody has a 3D model, uh, I totally would pick one up for that, just for the hell of it. So thanks for letting me know, and I feel silly for not, not thinking that. 
Next, Sterling Ference was asking about a Dreamcast solution for a component. So he's got a Toro box, and he just wanted to know how to go from VGA to component. Um, that's a great question, and that's something I get all the time, and I wish I knew a reliable answer. In the past, I've used the key digital solutions that work great, in my opinion, but they're hard to find now. They kind of pop up sporadically on eBay. And the Behar brothers actually make that um, the opposite, the component to VGA converter. But I don't know of a reliable one that goes the opposite. Um, he posted a link to one on Monoprice, but I've heard mixed reviews on it. There are those ones in like the, the rectangular thin casings that I see all the time on eBay and Amazon that are kind of like generic. But the problem with those is I think a whole bunch of companies in China use the same or share the same mold. Because you know, anytime you have a plastic mold like that, it's you know tens of thousands of dollars. So you get them that are labeled the same that have different guts in them. So I don't know if I've ever run into this with VGA to component, but I've definitely seen like component to HDMI where one is great and one is shit. So if anybody knows a great place to actually get those or at least a model number that's still available or if somebody makes them, um, let me know and I'll... I'll uh, let me know in the comments, and I'll actually add it to the converters page or my site, because uh, I'm really looking for a, a reliable link to something like that. Somebody without a name had posted a few times in the comments, uh, which I didn't even realize you could do that. You must be have all underscores as names, but uh, I guess he didn't like the Firebrand X palette, color palettes for Ness, for whatever reason. So, first of all, if you don't like it, don't use it. But uh, he'd posted things like, you know, that's not how you come to that palette, that's not how you make it. I would really suggest that everybody try it before you knock it. Um, it's subjective, of course, which is why Firebrand X made a whole bunch of different ones. But some people were, at least over the years, before they knew where the project came from and how much work has gone into it, a lot of people were quick to say, like, oh, why is that color palette better than another? Just try it for yourself. If you don't like it, don't use it. But definitely don't have preconceived notions of what it's going to be like until you actually try it. Because I noticed massive difference in some games with uh, with his custom ones. And he even has different ones for CRTs and to use on flat screens. So definitely give it a shot. And lastly, Raycommend posted a link to his review of the Powerbase Mini. And in the YouTube description of his link, um, he actually has a link to download the file that was the flyer for the Genesis case. So I, I'm not really sure what's the best way to call it. So, you know, the little insert that goes inside the Genesis case. But it looks really awesome. Um, I don't uh, I don't have a case for mine, but if I did, I, that's the one I would want in there. So cool review, and thanks for sharing the artwork with everybody, because that must have been a ton of work. Well, that's everything. There wasn't too many things, but I feel like I talked a lot this week. Sorry, I hope I didn't bore you guys to death. Um, I'll try to speed it up and get it more to the point next time. But uh, I do, hopefully, you guys stuck around for this because I have a fun interview with Phone Dork. Really nice guy, really awesome to talk to him finally because I've been a fan of his videos for a long-ass time. Um, and everybody subscribe to his channel if you can because not only does he make entertaining and funny videos, they're really informative. I link to them all over my website and some of uh, the things that he does are really great examples of certain things. Anything from his lag test to, uh, to some of the CRT footage he gets. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview, and um, any questions or comments, obviously post down below, and I'll see you guys next week. All right, guys, I am here with Phone Dork. Uh, I'm a little, I'm almost disappointed. I kind of expected you to have your cowboy hat and the fake teeth in or something. <laughs> <laughs> Just open up with a big old fuck you rant or something. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, that's funny. <laughs> so, um, uh, I'm obviously a big fan of your videos. I embed them on all the relevant pages on my site and everything. And um, I've been following you for a while. And I think you were one of the first people to put up videos about like, um, about the Sega Genesis ROM carts, I think, right? Didn't you get one of the original ones, like the blue weird yeah. ones from uh, the, the uh, Hong it's Kong? It's called the, it has, what is it called? The Neo Myth cart, which is... Uh, right, right, right. And uh, I'm going to be talking about that on my next video, actually. I'm going to go into that thing. Oh, yeah. Because I, that thing gave me so much, it gave me so much of a headache, you know, because like... Even I would go on the forums and like this thing ain't working or, you know, or I would uh, you have to basically use it. It looks like a Game Boy Advance cart and you have to uh, you have to, uh, I guess, uh, clear the slots or whatever it is uh, to put the games in. So you buy 1000 megabit cart and when you clear it out, only 500 megabits is available. So I put on there like. You know, I didn't pay for a 512 megabit cart. I paid for, you know, 1,000, you know. Oh, well, sometimes they're bad. Maybe you have to uh, uh, use an external power to supply everything. And I did all that, and it still wouldn't do it. And I would complain, complain, and then they stopped stopped complaining on here. And it's like, well, well, you're not going to get help by you complaining. And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) <laughs> I just gave you money, you know. It's like uh, was the guy that was emailing you named Doctor Neo? Yeah, he was one of them. So I bought one of those, uh, and I I've always wanted to talk about this, but most people don't know what I'm talking about because you you'd have to uh, you'd have to mess with it, otherwise it just wouldn't headache. make any sense. But I bought this thing specifically because it did Sega CD backup RAM and because it did FM audio for the Master System stuff. Which so is all right. I bought it, and then you had to plug, like you said, it looks like a Game Boy Advance cart. And if you didn't want to flash all the ROMs, you can buy something else that had a micro SD cart slot in that. Yeah. So it looked like this weird tower of shit. I mean, it reminded me of, like, the 32X, because you had to yeah, pile actually, everything up on yeah. top of it. <laughs> then I got it, and the Sega CD RAM didn't work at all, and the FM chip sounded bad. So I exchanged emails with that guy, Dr. Neo, and he refused to return it. And finally, he said, why don't you email this guy whose nickname was uh, Chili Willie? Yeah, yeah he does that guy. programming for it. He'll help. So I don't think this guy is involved at all. But it's not his device. It's no. his device. Right. And why Chili, Chili Willie's Willie a nice guy. To, he like, helped me out with that. that. But the shit never worked. And finally, I said, look, I really just want my money back. I, I'm going to go buy an EverDrive. I only really bought this for the FM audio. So and then he said, well, I don't want to take it back. Can I just send you another one? Um, that's nice of you, but no, I don't, I don't think it's going to work right. I I just want my money back. And finally I had to file a complaint through PayPal and I I mailed it back and everything. And that was the only way that he, uh, he took it back. And I I, I think he tried to dispute it and say that he never got it back, but the tracking number said returned. So yeah, that's why it's, um, I try really hard not to badmouth anybody. You know, if sometimes I say things that come across the wrong way, I can't help it. I'm just an asshole sometimes, but this is one of the few times where I'm absolutely like, don't buy one of those Neo myth cards They're They don't work good. And the support is awful. Well, they, they do work. Uh, I've gotten mine to work, but it, it is a headache. It is a headache. First off, the master system FM software doesn't work. If you put it through an SD card, you have to flash it to the cart. Or really? It don't work. Yeah, I have the original. The original. Oh, uh, oh, oh, oh. There's a version two. So now, now they're like, 
well, you have to buy the version two one. And I was like, uh, what about my version one? There's no more support for it. I mean, I just spent, you know, back in 2009, I think 200 bucks or more for that thing. Yeah, it was and expensive. That was, it was very expensive. And, uh, you know, I can only flash so much. Um, I mean, but it, it's just it, you got no support for it. And like I said, he, he shoots you off the chili willy. Which the guy is nice. Don't get me wrong. No, Chili Willy was very nice to me always. But it's not his product. It's no, it's not, not his responsibility. <laughs> it's like, uh, go go to uh, Chili Willy. You know, I was like, uh, whatever, man. Or he'll say like, have some tea and be happy, or you know, just anything. He'd say stuff like that, and I'm just like, uh, I'm not happy. No, and it's the opposite I had one with Chris, that actually right? burned CD. I have an older one that I want to talk about. It's called the Mega Cart. Oh, and yeah? you actually had to have the Sega CD. You burn the games to the Sega CD, close the lid, put the cartridge in, and you burn the ROMs into the cart from the Sega CD. That's pretty neat, actually. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's kind of useless it's nowadays like, with EverDrives and stuff, but it's still really neat. Where yeah, did you it find did. that? It's an old one from Toto, Toto Tech. Ah, wow, that's actually pretty cool. But you can only – it had 24 megs of space, so you could either put three 8-meg games on it or one 16-meg and one 4-meg or one 24-meg or, you know, you know how many 4-megs, whatever. It's, you have to make sure that you're within that 24-meg limit. It's Megabit. amazing how much has changed in just a few years. I just got an SD to SNES and put a 64-gig SD card in it and, you know, have all those CD-quality games on there all in one shot. What a, what a, you know, a big progression in just a few years. Yeah, that's the one I got. I actually got that uh, when it came out, the uh, SD to SNES, and I love the thing. And I'd play, I've play. i been messing with the uh, CD-quality, whatever it is, music. The MSU stuff, yeah, that, <laughs> that was really great. And I had a problem with it, though. Like, I would play Metroid, and if I chose that game and played it, uh, my save wouldn't be there. It would have the music and everything, but my save wouldn't be there. So what I had to do was play the original, start it up, then I'd have to reset it, then start the the the, the one with the CD-quality music, then it would show my save. I, I'm not sure why. I haven't updated my firmware either in a while, so I don't know if that may be the reason. Yeah, there was only one save issue I ever had, and then before I even troubleshooted it, I realized I had an old firmware, so I put it up to the new one. But there's that key combination. It's like select, left, right, or something that sends you back to the SD. To I didn't even know about that. Neither did I until I was doing an interview, actually, and somebody brought it up. But I, I feel like that's the best way to, to save your save game and not using the reset method because I don't want to slip or something one time and just lose all my game or anything. But <laughs> So... Um, yeah. A lot of the other videos you did were about RGB monitors and the different ones. Um, which ones do you have now? Because I know you bought and sold a couple of them. Uh, I still have the D24E1W, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. And now I got the BVM14F5U, which I'll be talking about on my next video. And I didn't want to buy it. The only reason I bought it was because uh, it came with this BKM14L. He sold it with it. Is that and, the suction cup thingy? Yeah, it's the one that. Uh, let me see. Yeah, it's the uh, suction cup doohickey. You know, I had and, never seen one of those until the other day, but my buddy Phil has one, and he uh, he um, hooked it up to my monitor. Have you tried it yet? Yeah, I got perfect white balance. Yeah, it, it, I was so impressed, and it took what, like five minutes or something? Yeah, it does more than just white balance. It does uh, beam landing. 
uh, or white landing or whatever you call it. I mm-hmm. had problems with my D24 back here when I moved it upstairs. Uh, the focus was off and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I, I kept like, I thought maybe the magnets from the, the, the speakers was causing the issue. And I could not figure out what it was. I, ha- I bought a degaussing t- coil and I was able to get it to set back mm-hmm. by, you know, doing a little whole spin thing or whatever. And then it, it kind of went back, but it wasn't perfect. Like certain whites, you know, if the white was too bright, it would kind of the screen would uh, kind of go weird. It would it would fluctuate or you know mm-hmm. wouldn't give you a perfect uh, uh, geometry or anything. It'd, it'd be weird looking. So when I hooked this up, I went to white landing and basically it it you start it up and it says put the suction cup here and you you keep moving it and moving it and moving it and then it set it to the I guess the magnetism of the earth. <laughs> I don't know how it works, but it says you can do it yourself, but I wouldn't know where to fucking start with shit like that. So, like, <laughs> I, I just use this, and it's just like any dumbass could do it, <laughs> including my dumbass. And then, like, it, it, perfect. Now, my colors are like, they're dead on. Like, it, basically, what it did for the white balance was it just shows a white screen, and uh, you put the suction cup on the white screen, and I guess it does uh, various. Uh, tone levels or grays and whites just to make sure that uh, you get a perfect, perfect white and, you know, the, the, the best white you can get. And then after that, it everything looked great, even in component. It, all, all the everything like was there was no it wasn't too blue or too red or none of that no more. Of course, uh, some people may not like that because not like it when it's perfectly uh, white balance because they some people want to pump vibrance into it and make it more it's colorful like the people that put their tv on vivid mode <laughs> yeah they all do that they may not like it but uh i prefer it i i don't really care for like oversaturation because even when i do pictures i don't oversaturate a picture i try to get it as perfect balance as i can hmm. but um, now you do all the you do your own geometry settings on your monitors as well right yeah any any and- tricks to that or just be really patient and take your time um, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, uh, it, there's no real easy way to do it. it. It's, uh, and I was never taught how to do it, you know? So, so, and I don't know if there's any videos on it or anything like that, but I find it harder to do the bulbish type sets mm-hmm. to get the geometry perfect just because it kind of curves in the front and it's way easier to do it on the flat screen. It really is because that thing's flat, so it's easier, you know, to mess with it because you don't have to compensate for the bubble in the middle or whatever because it kind of bulbs out on mm-hmm. some of these uh, BBMs. <clears throat> but uh, I just think of it as a pillow, you know. You move this, you know. You move this. You move the middle of it, you know. Just like it says pin cushion, I just think of a pillow, and that's I a good just, analogy. That's the only way. I stretch this, and then this stretches. You know, I stretch this. It's stretches okay i need to move this one out that way to compensate than this and i go back between squares and circles so i'll go to a square and then and i'll get it right then i'll go back to circles and try to make my circles right and then i'll go back to my squares and my squares are fucked up again and then i have to like fuck with it then i go back to my circle my circle's fucked up and i keep going back and forth until eventually you have like something perfect as perfect as it's That's gonna the get the only way yeah. i've ever done it too I, I was always wishing somebody would teach me some kind of secret but <laughs> 
Do you know on the the That's... newer TVs? I think I mean it's only in the past few years. Um, there's and I think it's only on you know not the best of the best, but the higher end. You could buy these calibration kits where you you put like the seven or eight suction cups on it, and then you plug oh, yeah. it into the USB port of the TV and you walk away. It does everything mm-hmm. for you. It interfaces with the menu. You don't have to touch anything. It does everything from geometry to white balance. Yeah. Some of them are not even a suction cup. It's like a camera facing the TV, and it yeah. does it. Yeah, that's my. Well, this one, it's it's similar. Like I said, it's it's uh, the BKM one four L is really awesome. Matter of fact, if you got a D thirty two, if you if you want to use it, let me know. I'll send it to you, and you can. I'll show you. You'll get like this extremely awesome, perfect white balance. It's crazy. No, my buddy doesn't live far away from me, and he uh, he's got one. So I'm definitely. He already did mine, and any anybody else I know that lives around here who's got a BVM, I'm going to make sure we just have like a. You know, big old case of beer, and then just <laughs> go from house to house. You know, just at least it's small too, so we can throw that in a bag and take yeah. it on the subway. It's not like we have to worry about it. But right. <laughs> so um, now the 14-inch one. I'm assuming it's the square one, right? It's not the one that has the 16 by 9 bezel stuck in it. Uh, no, you could put the 16 by 9 bezel in it, but mine's got the uh, 4 by 3. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I don't even like uh, 16 by 9 bezels on a 4 by 3 because you lose. Um, resolution when you do it because you squish it down mm-hmm. and like mine is a true 16 by 9 so when you right. run 16 by 9 it's it's true and rather than squishing it and then trying to stretch it wide it, it's just you know yeah but a lot of the old systems work on um, that anamorphic widescreen mm-hmm. you know like the wii u or the wii the wii anyway the wii, uh yeah. I feel like it's not really a 16 by 9 resolution. It's really a 4 by 3, and you're just relying on kind of stretching it. Because uh, the games don't really look like – the resolution just looks like it's just stretched. It's like they squish their characters in, and you you squish – you un – whatever you call it, stretch them out to make it look right. Yeah, somebody on one but of the forums were showing that, uh, I think last year or something, they had uh, pictures of it. You know, on a four by three and on a sixteen by nine, and they were showing the differences, and it, it didn't look like it. It didn't look like it opened up two extra, you know, channels of space. It looked like it was a little bit more stretched. But maybe that's only for one game. Maybe each game is different yeah. or something. Certain games, uh, like Super Mario Galaxy, mm-hmm. it does look like sixteen by nine. It looks looks nice. But then some of them, if you set it for a Super Mario. Galaxy, and you set it for like another game that's supposed to be widescreen, it looks more narrow. It doesn't take up as much um, horizontal, uh, you know, space as the other one does. So. Yeah. I think some games are 16 by 9 only on the Wii. So that's the ones that would look good as widescreen, definitely. So I just can't remember off the top of my head. I think there's a, a, a Schmups page on that or something. So. Yeah. So out of all the ones that the monitors you've had, because you've had regular PVM 14 inches, now you have a BVM 14 inch, all those, is the D24 your favorite so far, or is that by far, by far? Um, the the second to it would have been the 20 F1U. I, I hated to get rid of that monitor. I, I actually sold it, but uh, that monitor was pretty awesome. Uh, I did like it. I just didn't like the fact that it didn't support 480p and 720p. So you have. You had the 20 F1U. 
Yeah, the, I had the I had the twenty F one U, not the A twenty one. I think one of them does four eighty p. I yeah, don't know which the one A is. and the D because the one I just got is the D twenty F one U, and that's the nine hundred line monitor that does everything, yeah. and it's still four by three because most of the games I play are the older ones anyway, and it's the best. Um, that and the thirty two inch version of yours are the two best monitors I've ever had. Um, right. The only thing I will say though is the XM twenty nine, and then I have the I had that one, and then the Mitsubishi MegaView. I think it's like forty inches or something. They're not. Yeah. They're almost like really, really high end consumer grade TVs. Um, like they look better than an RGB mounted, uh, you know, consumer CRT, which those still look like amazing. Like um, Yeah, but the size of them alone, like anytime you want to play a light gun game or like the two good Sega 3d games like that, just having the size, I would actually take that over the quality just for those, you know, those few things. But overall, I mean, that's, I'd still, I mean, how often do people play 3d or light gun games? You know what I mean? So compared to the other ones, you don't, you don't sit and play duck hunt for two hours, but you sit and play. No, I like bumps though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that that is the only thing, but yeah, I mean, I just I, I haven't been I, I've never been so impressed with something until I started using those BVMs. It's just way no, more above and beyond. They are um, those PVMs are good. I like the twenty L five. That's a really good monitor. Um, yep, I think um, the, the Pat, the BVM technician, said that's the same tube that's in the twenty the D twenty L five. No, the D twenty F one U. It just it's stuck in a PVM shell without all the calibration options. So it's still very close to that good of a picture. But it's eight hundred lines though, right? That one. That one's eight hundred. Twenty L five is eight hundred line. I think you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> And the 20F1U is actually 900, so I wonder how it's, like, the same. Yeah. Because huh. uh, the 20F1U is a 900-line monitor, and it did look better than the 20L5 to me, by far. I thought it did. That's just my opinion. Some people might say it's the same, but uh, hmm. from what I saw, and I had two 20L5s that I had back in the day, and neither one of them com- could compare to the 20F1U that I could see. Yeah, um, it's, it's but, fun. Playing through, like, you know, my... Anytime I play a new game, you know, it's always great to appreciate it. Like, I, I'm just playing Rondo of Blood for the first time, and, you know, it's awesome. Me too. I, I'm so, oh, yeah, I'm so glad I get to play I'm it on a Super BBM. Nintendo one. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I'm playing, yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's, I love that experience, but playing Metroid and Zelda um, on the Super Nintendo, I played those games so much that just by looking at a couple of screens, I could immediately tell the difference in the monitor, just because I've been, you know, I've been staring at those games since I was a kid, so... That's my, those yeah. are always my benchmarks for any time I use something. And that's why I really, you know, I, I just decided the FrameMeister wasn't for me because I could tell the lag. I mean, the lag for me, you know, but one and a half to two plus two frames yeah. of lag on my TV, four frames is like, I just, for a lot of the right. precision it stuff, is. it just was too much for me. And I'm reviewing the OSSC. That's part uh, of my... So. I'm looking forward to your opinion on that. There's uh, they're always doing new updates to it and adding you know small new features so definitely check yeah, those just out. Yeah, audio upgrade of mine. Uh, so um, I was very impressed with that thing, um, and like I said, before I think I've spoke talked about this before between the uh, you know the the YCB or YPB PR versus the RGB color space, and that thing will it's it it shows you the difference immediately because the. The OSSC uses the RGB color space, and you can tell the difference, like really tell the difference. You know, I didn't. I actually didn't know that that. <coughs> hold on. 
Sorry. Um, I didn't realize that it did 444 true RGB color. And yes. the only reason I noticed is because I knew the OSSC was coming in. I got the tracking number. So I asked my buddy Wes from Second Opinion Games. He sent me his Frame Meister. And I played it for, you know, I think I was playing through Link to the Past. So I could do that, you know, a couple hours now, like five or six hours or something. That's so I've good. been playing it over the course of a couple of days. Okay. And then the OSSC comes in, and I just unplug it, plug in the OSSC, and turn it on. And it was just in 480p mode, not, you know, I was playing the Frame Meister in 5x. And I just went, holy shit, what is this? Why is this so much better? And that's when I started reading through and realizing that the, the colors, that's why. Yeah. A lot of people will say that the component or the, I don't know what you call it, the YUV color space is just as good as the RGB color space. And I don't, not even close. I mean, anytime you got to know that the, the component color space or the YUV or YCB, whatever it's called, I, I always forget. Um, it's a uh, condensed form of RGB, you know. It's not quite the same, you know. Uh, RGB, like for instance, when I when I shoot pictures and I shoot in raw format, mm -hmm. uh, it's all RGB levels. Mm -hmm. And then when I develop it to a JPEG, then it goes to a YCBC or whatever it is. It goes to that other color space, the condensed color space, to a JPEG. Right. But you know, the JPEG would be like you know 14 megabytes, but my raw format is like 36 megabytes. Like it's way bigger. Yep. So. And then I, when I was recording with the X Capture versus my, uh, I forget what is it the, uh, I have an X Capture from uh, Micomsoft. Yeah. And I have uh, the the Elgato sixty high HD sixty or whatever. Yeah, I'm actually borrowing that for the first time. I just got an X Capture thing, so it's like, uh, yeah, it's it's great. But when you need a powerful computer, yeah. it, like it, I use an i seven on this thing with a solid state drive, and I can't record 1080p 60 frames per second to save my life. It's like stutters, you know. Wow. I can do 720p, but I found out it's recording at RGB levels. At least on the Elgato, you mean, right? No, no, the X Capture. Is it really? It's supposed to. That's what I read. I'm not sure how true that is, but I was wondering: is that the reason why it's you know the it's it's so much worse than the Elgato? Because the Elgato it, it records in a you know the anytime even on YouTube you're you're using the uh, con, con, uh, condensed right. colors. Oh yeah. Um, you know, as far as I know, the only one that I was using for a while was the one uh, the StarTech.com one which I thought was the same chip. I could be wrong. So this is, um, I have. A, a, I had to lend some friends my capture card, so I ended up borrowing this one from uh, my buddy Jose. But I, um, I, I'm not really sure. I thought that those were in 422, um, but I don't know about the X Capture. I'll have to look that up. I, I read it. I, I, I remember reading about it, and I was thinking, is that true? And I was like, if that's true... And that's the reason why I'm having problems trying to record at 60 frames a second. And I think that may be the, the issue. But, uh, you know, with different people, the way they talk, I, there's no telling who is telling the truth or what. So yeah, I'm not saying I, I that like it to is, test it for that's what I read. Before I do anything, you know, before I do anything else. Because the one that I've been working on now, um, uh, what the, I can't remember the name of the company. Is it epiphan epiphan something but they have a dvi to uh usb3 and that uh -huh. definitely does the full color space and mm -hmm. between that startech.com and that one you could easily see the difference side by side in the pictures right so well i don't know 
like if you look, I think one of my videos I did with it when I was talking about the Nintendo 64 and uh, I was recording Mario 64 footage. And that's the first time I used the X capture card. Um, and that video was in 720p. OK. Mm -hmm. That footage that I used in there was actually 240p. Oh, and yeah. it, and it, I, I, I assumed that it was going to scale it, but I was wrong. It didn't scale it. it I mean, my my post processing scaled it. But if you actually look at that video, you can see how colorful Mario is in there. Hmm. It's it's pretty color. It was more. I thought it was more colorful than when I recorded directly from the um, the Ultra HDMI. It was it was really vivid. Huh, and I didn't do any type of post processing to it, but if you look at it, the reds are like incredible on it. And I was like, so I tried to record it again, and then I was like, I thought it was upscaling, but it wasn't. It my my, uh, I guess my uh, final cut was upscaling it, but it was kind of stretching it, so it wasn't really like a really good scale. Mm. But though it was a terrible scale, the colors were really, really, really vivid on it. Hmm. I was surprised. So is that um, – I guess that's why your, your quest for Syncon Green on a lot of these is to bypass the, the component encoders. So I know on the PlayStation 2, that's kind of a known issue where you can't – I guess you could really mostly just see it on flat screens. But it does have kind of a noisy component encoder. So by going to Syncon Green yeah. with those, you just kind of bypass it and get the direct RGB colors through those. Um, yeah. Now, you said that you've been doing that with Xbox as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So could you just explain a little bit about how that works? Because I haven't, uh, I've been meaning to get an Xbox page up on the site, but I'm like six bucks, uh, six months okay. behind. So you can't, you can't have a certain model. The, the Halo editions, mm -hmm. I think the 1.2, 1.4, I think are fine. I think it's the 1.6 Xboxes. You can't, you cannot do sync on green. Um, it's a weird because. Uh, my th I think mine's a 1.2 or 4. I can't remember what it is. And I just uh, loaded some just, I guess, like the basic whatever. Uh, I can't even remember what it was. So do you have video. a mod chip it. on there, or do you actually flash no. the BIOS on that? I just flashed it. Okay. And, uh, so I you just had to flashed... open up the motherboard and, like, solder the two points together and then just flash no. it like that? No, no, no. no. I just huh. went on eBay, and I ordered, uh, like, this USB thing that hooks – to the controller and then i just bought uh the game i forgot what game it was to to install the soft mod it was the ghost recon or what, i don't know which one it was but what specific game it was put it in there loaded it up and then i just chose sync on green on the bvm and hooked it up and it wouldn't it wouldn't do it so i went to component and then it, it went to component and then i would turn it off like completely off then put it back on the sync on green and turn it back on and then it would start off at 480i component, so you know it wasn't right. And then it would go off, and then all of a sudden sync on green. I don't, I don't know why it did it. Or there was nothing. I didn't do anything at all uh, as far as hardware-wise to it. It automatically did it. And I know it's sync on green because I'll switch the component and the colors are off big time. Like you know, I have to go back to RGB for the colors to be correct. Right. And. And so, there was a huge difference in because uh, Sync on Green was just VGA, you know. The only yeah. problem with Sync on Green was if you were playing widescreen games, 16 by 9, it wouldn't work in RGB Sync on Green because when you play it in RGB Sync on Green, it wants to use square pixels. It doesn't want to use rectangular. So 
everything is four by three. Like it's dead on. Because it stays like, with the VGA um, right. resolution modes. Right. So everything is square pixels. Hmm. You can try to use the sixteen by nine, but it looks like crap. But if you stick it in component and then you run it through, then it would go in true sixteen by nine. Then it would use the rectangular pixels for the the anamorphic widescreen that the Xbox does or whatever it is. Hmm. Uh, I'm not quite sure if it's a true widescreen or not either. Uh, it's kind of hard to say because certain games look like they're true, like uh, Halo mm-hmm. or Halo 2. They look like true wide, but then you got games that say they're wide but don't really look wide. They just look kind of stretched, you know. So I mean, so there's there's two things that I'm I'm not quite clear about. So when Xbox was you know the popular console, I got really good at modding them, and I got you know uh, I built the little things to do it. I would take off. The, you'd have to solder. Uh, or you would just have to jump two parts to, or two parts together on the motherboard, and all that jumper that you added was it just was uh, allow the BIOS to be flashed, and then I would mm-hmm. have to flash the BIOS using that boot chip, and then that would tell it to boot in any mode you wanted. Um, and, but I haven't done that. It's got to be over ten years since I've done that. Yeah. So if anybody watching is an expert modding or, or an Xbox modding expert, uh, post in the comments about how to get the right one. Because uh, I do know that there is a hardware mod you could do that's true VGA. So you actually get RGB HV. You could put a little connector on the back. But that, that definitely requires another BIOS. And it's kind of a complicated right. hardware mod. So I wonder, you know, if, if somebody could walk through the steps and maybe I'll make a guide of it if I could figure it out. Um, but the other question yes. I have, too, is the right. these consoles. So HD consoles are all meant for HDMI. And then anything like... N64, PS1, and back, um, that was all, <coughs> excuse me, you know, designed for RGB. But what about PS2, GameCube, and, and you know, maybe one other one in that era? Um, I guess X, um, the uh, PS2, Xbox, and the Wii, uh, and GameCube, were those games encoded and designed to be run in uh, the 422 uh, component color space? Um, were they were they made in the full RGB color space and then converted out? So I, I know like um, the only conversation I, I remember is when people were talking about the GameCube. When you put that HDMI board in it, it does the chroma up conversion to 444. So I don't know. I, I think I, I hope an expert is watching this and could chime in because I'm still a little confused on each of the consoles and which of the ones it's really worth doing all these extra mods to or not. Um, I think PS2 is obviously an exception because. Uh, you know, the, some of the issues with the component chip in there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still really confused about that. Maybe it's just over my head and I'm not smart enough to figure it out yet, but I'll get there eventually, I guess. Um, yeah, I, don't, I don't really think the VGA mod for the Xbox is a necessity. I think Sync on Green is just as good. It's the same thing. It's just you got to have a Sync on Green compatible monitor. And you have the OSSC now that can actually take it. And I haven't tried it yet. I'm actually hoping to try that when my OSSC gets back. I want to run Sync on Green through it to see if it had the, that reddish level that the um, um, the Framemeister had, remember? Yeah. Because of negative sync polarity issue. Uh, I actually got uh, an RX an RX, uh, RGB, what an Xtron RGB, one of them, I think, I think it's a 202, 203, I don't know which one it is, mm-hmm. but it has the negative swing, uh, negative switch, uh, negative polarity switch, so you can switch it off or on. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if I mess with that, will that change the color, you know, so to match? Now, 
That actually reminds me, you had a problem a while back. Um, so with BVMs, uh, it's like buying a really, really fancy car. You know, you got to put more work into it, you know? So there, you can't just plug and play like a PVM. And I think we had to put both of our BVMs into VCR mode for it to be fully compatible. Yeah. And then when out. running through the Xtron, we had that turn the, sur- the serration on and off. But didn't you say you opened yours up and found another jumper in there that you had to... Because wasn't it the, the very top There's of the a... image kind of curved to one side? Yeah, the <laughs> you actually said the fix for it. Uh, I didn't need it. I just needed to go into my maintenance mode and activate VCR mode. And after that, everything worked. Every freaking thing worked. Oh. Uh, when I, I didn't left... realize that myself when I first got my BVM. I think it was about the same time you emailed me. I had, I had no idea how to work it. I was still kind of learning. There was a way to uh, change uh, negative sync polarity by uh, running a jumper inside, and there was documentation on it. But rather than doing that, uh, I got the RX202, not the 203. It's one of them. I don't know if I have to go downstairs and grab it. But like it has this, the negative, suite, negative sync switch on it uh you can you can turn it to positive or negative you you can has a switch on it which the 203 doesn't and uh with that one um i was able to get uh games to sync with my bvm without the vcr mode on interesting but uh it was weird because some of my 480i stuff was uh looking weird and then i guess it was trying to downscale it sometimes to that weird 240p like look which I'm sorry when you when you downscale 480i to 240p, it's like some of the image is gone. Like it's it it's not meant to me. It does it's not really meant to look like 240p because I feel like half the image is gone. You know, like because uh, with 480i you have you have uh, odd and even scan lines that go back and forth between each other. You know, mm-hmm. trying to fool you into thinking all 480 lines are drawn when they're really not. But like with the when you erase half the image, uh, it, it it looked funny to me, even on a BVM. I, didn't, I wasn't really a fan of it, to tell you the truth. I, I prefer this the real 480i look over it than downscale. I, I was never able to get that 480i to 240p working on any of my PVMs. Um, it worked on the XM29, and then I just I don't think I've tried it since, to be honest with you. I think on the XM29, it's still. It, it didn't look great. I didn't. I didn't like it. I'd rather just play it in 480i mode. Yeah, I, I like the 480i. How are you liking your um, your retro pie? Your um, I I absolutely love it. So I uh, I'm not a big fan of emulation of consoles just because I'm lucky enough to have bought all the consoles over the years because you know I don't want to mess with it. But there, it's impossible for me to get all of the arcades, even if I was rich and had the space to do it. Uh, do I really want, mm-hmm. you know, 300 arcade games sitting somewhere? And even some of the boards, yeah, like the Mortal Kombat yeah. board's this big. I can't even build a super gun out of it because it's freaking huge. Yeah, it's so, ridiculous. So having a MAME emulator, I'm totally okay with. I've just come to terms with the fact that it's minimum of two frames lag, even on a CRT. Mm-hmm. And I could, uh, you know, I was never, like, competitive uh, gamer with uh, fighting games. I just really liked them. Fighting games suck on it. It, it is a little laggish. I, uh, I found with on a CRT though I could play Mortal Kombat and not hate it. It's not you know it's not going to yeah. be I'm not going to lose my mind over it. But I just uh, I love the Raspberry Pi for that and I love the whole meme setup I have now. I've been having you know it's funny since I got in a, since I got the um, the NT Mini 
uh, I've what's funny is it it just it came later. I had the Raspberry Pi first, and then I couldn't figure out how to work the damn thing. And then eventually, I downloaded somebody's disk that they already made. It was like 128 gigabyte, whatever, and right, I right. did that one. And then it didn't have all the emulators that I wanted in it. And then I learned how to add them and then, you know, sync my computer to it through the IP and add stuff. But um, it, it's been really fun because, like, it, you have this uh, really awesome front end. And, and it's funny because I've been out of emulation since 2000, probably six. Uh, I used to be nothing but emulation, nothing but emulation. I used to be like MAME.exe space, the ROM name, minus <laughs> kid, minus J, enter. And then like, okay, is, you know, I, I remember all that. And, um, and then this thing, and it's like uh, you have this, you have a front end called the Retro Arch or something. I don't know what it is. Mm. I, I, I hear so much about it, but I knew nothing about the damn thing. But when you bring up the options, it works in conjunction with the emulator itself or the core, which now they call everything a core. I was like, what's a core? I didn't even know what a core was. I was like, that's how long I've been out of emulation. I was like, they call them emulators. I don't remember the term core. But anyway, it works with the core, and you can integer scale. I'm doing integer scaling on my RetroPie, at least on the vertical axis, not on the horizontal. Of course, it always tries to do a four by three. Right. But that's okay because I don't see the the issues that I've seen with some of the hardware emulation with the NT. Like I don't see the the uh, shimmering. I don't see that at all. Yeah, there is a little lag, but um, I'm having fun. Like I, I'm a big Atari 5200 fan and Atari 8-bit, and I sold mine recently uh, a while back because it's just too big. And then yeah, you, you have all you had to buy a controller to make the stupid controller work. It, it, it's it's horrible. I got it sitting right next to me underneath my uh, underneath I have, the desk. I have one if you want one. I got a four-port Atari 5200 if you want. It's S-Video mod. It's lame. But, like, uh, uh, I, I the best thing, if you love the 5200, get the Atari 800XL. Get that. It's the same thing. It's just digital controller without the crap, you know? You know, you got the keyboard where the keyboard needs to be. And that's the computer uh, version of it, right? Yeah. And, and then it still you plays the cartridge and, games and, and everything. Or whatever. Yeah. So I was thinking about you were talking about a, a 5200 RGB. I remember on one of your things you were talking about, and then you're also, but there was also one from Lorethek or something like that. I can't remember, but there was an RGB mod for the Atari 8-bit, and it actually did some other things uh, to make it better. And I was, was actually thinking about buying that thing. Of course, I don't know how to mod, so I had to hire somebody to do it. But like, I was actually considering, but I was like, God, I gotta spend. I gotta buy another eight hundred. I gotta buy this thing. I gotta send it to him if he wants to mod it. You know, then I gotta pay for him to send it back. Then I gotta. I'm not gonna buy cards for this. I'm gonna find a way to flash drive it, and there is a way. I gotta buy that. And I'm like looking at all this money I gotta spend, and I was like, Good lord! So when I popped in this retro pie, and I was able to load the emulators, I lost interest completely in doing that. I was like, Oh, I'm having fun. I'm just I'm playing it on a flat screen right now and if i wanted to play it on a crt i could you know yeah. uh but it's i'm actually pretty fine with emulating it i have no i mean pretty sure the real thing might be a little bit better no lag or whatever but like you know for the type of games that you play on that uh stuff it's that little lag really is not noticeable and uh i'm 
I'm okay with it. You know, Nintendo games, a different story. If you have even the slightest lag on that, you know, you're screwed. You can't play Mega Man. You can't play Ninja Gaiden. You can't play Ghost and Goblins. You're going to have issues. You're going to be like, I pressed the jump button. I don't know why I fell in the hole. You know, it's, it's, it's. Anytime somebody asked me to describe lag, I send them to your Mega Man 2 video, to that part in that video where you were trying to make oh, yeah. jumps with the falling <laughs> platforms. It's in my mind, that is the perfect demonstration of what happens when you have lag. So, right. And I've actually made it through the uh, retro pie that that scene, <laughs> no problem. Actually, uh, I actually made it through. It was a little, it was a little complicated, but uh, I could tell there was a little lag. I was, you know, I was definitely scared. Well, I actually, but... I'm pretty sure that that retro pie is going to have less lag than that um, that upscaler that you were using. Because oh, yeah. when I bought mine, it I think it had eight or nine frames of lag or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it wasn't that bad, but it was still really bad. I mean, it was insane that that many maybe five or six, but then, no, I think it was five or six frames of lag plus the lag that was on my TV made it like six or seven frames. And that, that, that oh, I hate that thing. It's good for just basic streaming where you're playing through a CRT and then streaming out to that. But that's, you know, uh, yeah. yeah I, that thing will take any kind of sync. That's the one thing that's good about it. Um, really? Mine won't. Mine's, uh, mine will only work on TTL sync. It's... Oh, wow. But yeah, just show, like any other one of those products, there's probably 30 revisions of them all in the same box, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Well, what I was trying to say is when I got the Retro Pie, I've been playing it so long, I'm just having a blast with it, you know? And I'm playing all these old arcade games, and, and it's just really cool. And yeah, there was some issues, but it wasn't stopping me from having a great time. And then when I got the NT Mini, I was like, this is cool. And I was playing it for a little bit. And I find myself going back to the Retro Pie again because I'm like, there's other stuff to play. So I was like, but then the the crack was pretty cool because uh, I love the Coleco Vision. Um, I I can't wait till he does the 2600 and the 7800 on when he jailbreaks that mini. Yeah. Um, that was 7800. I have a 7800, and uh, S Video is just terrible on it. I I I have an S Video modded 7800. I'm not a big fan of it. It's it's all right. Mm. So uh, what are the games? Because I I vaguely remember a story. I think you were on the My Life in Gaming live stream when you were saying you got into all this um, because of the 5200, right? Your RGB. Yeah, you want to tell that story again? And then you also definitely got to tell the games that you were talking about because I forgot to go back because I want to play those games now. Okay. Um, Okay, a lot of people will say that, like, you know, if you say, like, what's your number one game of all time? A lot of people will say, like, Legend of Zelda or something Nintendo-wise, you know? I'm 42 years old. I go back to the 2600, you know? So, like, my my favorite game will always be Adventure. Like, the little square, you know, the stupid three dragons, the key, the magnet. To this day, I can always pick that game up and play it because it's random. It, there's, it, it's never the same. You, it, it, you know, it's just a, it's a problem-solving game, really. And I love, I love that you got to, like figure out how to do something or whatever. And yes, the 2600 had really bad graphics, but you know, uh, you, you kind of used your mind to fill in the gaps, you know, you know, you're like, yeah. Oh yeah, it's a, that's not really a square. That's, that's a little elf with a sword. <laughs> you know, it's like, you had to actually, you knew that in your head because you saw the cartridge and it's like, yeah, that's that guy right there. There you know? Uh, uh so anyway, uh, the Atari 5200, um, uh, they had an adventure too for the Atari 5200. And I was like, what? Where's, where can I download the ROMs so I can, like, you know, emulate it? Because <laughs> I don't want to buy a 5200, you know? And I couldn't find the ROM. And I was like, 
the only way you're going to play this is actually buy the cartridge and get a real 5200. And that's what I ended up doing just to play this one freaking game. It was it good? Was the game worth it? Adventure 2? Oh, yeah. Ron Lloyd, uh, the creator of that game, he did a really awesome job on it. Uh, it, it, it. It stayed very similar to the Atari 2600. And, uh, you know, a little bit better graphics, you know, whatever. But still the same. You're still a square, you know. It, it was it was, it was, was a really good game. And then after that, I start, I found myself collecting for the 5200, which is, is hard to, you know. And when I was collecting for it is when that angry video game nerd video came out where he's making fun of it. And I was like, yeah, it's true. It sucks. You know, I'm like, God, you know. But well, so wasn't had that to... the video too, where he he uh, was complaining that he couldn't use one of them because the RF thing broke off? He couldn't screw it into yeah. the TV. I I, yeah, I the... love the angry video game nerd. He's the reason why I actually started to get back into old games. But I was <laughs> furious because when I was a kid, I mean, I know I was always kind of a nerd, but like when those things would wear out, I'd cut them off. Like I'd wait to cut them off to twist the wire because you'd get a better connection. Like, right. what do you mean, dude? You're supposed to be the the nerd. Why don't you know that? Yeah. <laughs> so... Nah, he's. He's like the nerd, but I don't think he's very um, – he knows a lot of that stuff already. I think he's just trying to be funny for the most part. Yeah, um, I still love the videos. But, but yeah, so you yeah. have to just hook it up with RF then. Did you get a tube TV for that? <laughs> did you try to get one of those RF modulators that go to composite? I had I did that, and then I did an S-video. I actually got a review of the 5200. It's one of my older videos uh, on my phone dork channel. And uh, – um, I that's actually my least amount of views is the 5200. It's funny because like nobody gives a shit. Um, yeah, it's weird. Like nobody cares about the Atari 5200. I love it. Um, but I had just about every game on it. I collected for it. Like I even had Mule, which was a conversion for the from the 8-bit. And I'm a big fan of Mule. Um, it's a it's basically a sci-fi board game, you know, where you're trying to like. Um, it's a, it's weird. It's, it's so competitive. I can't really explain it. Maybe you'll uh, look it up one day, Mule. Well, but uh, Mule, is, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, gonna make a note of all these. So when I get mine modded, yeah. I know which games to try. So yeah, that one is a really good game. Um, yeah, there's uh, was space. Space Dungeon, which is basically like a little spaceship that little UFO that flies in between the rooms, and you had. You had to actually connect both 5200 controllers together, like they're two analog. You had a slot where you slide one and and on the left, and slide one on the right, and you move one to sh- one to move the ship, the other one to shoot in the direction you want. So you, it's kind of like playing Robotron. Just think of Robotron, but you can think yeah. of Robotron and the game Venture mixed together. You huh. go into different rooms and you just kill stuff. So those there there was just a lot of games, and then. I my ex ex girlfriend back in the day, she used to like hate that thing. She goes, Why can't you get a Nintendo or something that's fun? <laughs> you know, I'm having fun, you know, it's like whatever. I had like my little, little room where I had the fifty two hundred, then I bought a Coleco Vision later. That was my next one. Then I bought a seventy eight hundred. And then uh I didn't buy a Nintendo till I went to Puerto Rico and uh was working there for about a year. And I decided to buy a Nintendo, and then I uh, I wanted the Famicom. I, I, I wanted to make sure it had the uh, RF or the uh, not not the RF, but the composite out at least. Right. And uh, I got that. Then I bought the I guess what is it the 
the one before the EverDrive, it was for the Nintendo. The I can't pack. remember. Power, power pack. pack. I just got that one, and then I started playing all the games. And then uh, I was never really a collector of Nintendo games. They were just too expensive. I just felt like everybody wants to collect for them. And um, I had one game for it, and that was Castlevania Three, and it was mm. because it had like sound chip in it or whatever for the Japanese version. Yeah, I have that one, and that's the only Famicom game I actually own. Um, then I just went on to collecting RGB monitors later when I came back to Phoenix, when I was talking about converting RGB to component. And then, uh, then I heard people like, you could just get a real RGB monitor and not have to worry about that. And I was like, really, there's such a thing. And I was looking at them. They look so ugly when I, when they showed the video, <laughs> I was like, this thing's ugly, you know? And then I saw some guy near me on eBay, he was selling a 20L5, and I bought both of them for $60, literally. What? <laughs> yeah. Maybe those one on my video. And then one of them had the scratch on the cover, but I ended up removing the, the plastic, you whatever. The plastic for it, right, yeah. Yeah, I was like, whatever, it's scratched anyway. Let's see what's down there. And then somebody said, don't do it. It'll mess it up. And I was like, yeah, whatever. It's, I just tore it off, and then like, oh, nice. There's not even a scratch on it. And it was, it was really good after that. Then uh, after that, I started collecting more consoles you know uh, neo geo is the next one uh that's you have to be a freaking millionaire to collect for that damn thing that's um, why i'm so glad that rom cart is coming out well there's two coming out for it now so right. I, I can't I wait have... to get mine to try that i could finally play neo geo games for real right yeah that was that's an expensive uh, uh one to collect there's for. no way that. i could afford to collect that one i could barely afford the console and the rom cart i think i got one game with well, it and that they, what do they want to sell the uh, ROM cart for for the Neo Geo? Like six hundred bucks? Um, including shipping, the Neo SD was five hundred, and Darksoft oh. hasn't announced the price yet, but it's probably going to make it a tiny bit cheaper. Oh well, that... so it's still a lot of money. But I mean, uh, my cousin's favorite much. game is Windjammers, favorite Neo Geo game, and that's like a thousand bucks if you want to buy just that <laughs> one game. Oh, yeah, I, I love that game. I bought a Neo Geo CD and just burned the CD. Having a great time with it right now. And yeah. There's hardly any load time on it too. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, the Neo Geo CD is a great way to try a lot of that library without spending all the money. Yeah, you can't play like the more complicated. Hammers is not complicated, and it's a thousand dollars versus uh, just burning it. And I could literally burn any Neo Geo CD game ever. And there's no loading time during the game. It's only before you know before yeah, the match. Much, so. it's hardly any loading time at all on it because it has like a a seven megabyte. Or RAM or something. I can't remember what it, what it is, but it loads a lot of the game in the beginning, and then after that, it pretty much plays from it, except for the music. I think the music constantly streams. But then they got cracks now where they actually load the entire Neo Geo game into that RAM, and you don't have any load time at all. They've done it with Baseball Stars 2. They've done it with a few of them. There's a few uh, uh, cracks that I've actually downloaded and did it, and then there's no load time at all. Jeez, that's it's, pretty cool. But you won't be able to do it with the more, you know, like I said, complicated games. You know, right. you're talking four megabit games, you know, things like that. Maybe, you know, under the hundred megabit range, you you'll probably be okay. You know, it's funny. The day I got I got a great deal on a Neo Geo CD, 
<clears throat> and the day I got it, it just so happened to be talking to a buddy, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, the load times are miserable. You know, you're going to get so annoyed, and I'm playing on it. You know, I kind of just burned some CDs just to make sure it worked. And then I headed over to his house, and we're playing a PS3 game. And it's like a minute and a half. Lo- it was Mortal Kombat. It's like a minute and a half loading time before the match. I'm like, the Neo Geo CD didn't take this long. What are you shitting on it for? It's fine. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's what I mean. That's, that's, your, that's your guys who are like, you, you got to have the real Neo Geo. Anything else sucks, you know? So you got those guys that will put down the fact that the CD's load time is, is a little longer, but... It's not really that bad. Um, I mean, if you don't like the Sega CD, if you don't like PlayStation or anything, the original PlayStation or PlayStation 2, then you then you wouldn't like the Neo Geo CD. But nobody had a problem with it before. Um, yes, the cartridge is instantaneous, but I'll tell you what. Well, uh, some people have the, a problem with uh, the Sega RG- CD. The quality <laughs> of the Neo Geo CD is better than my AES cart yeah. version. So that is, um, that is without a doubt true. Um, it and, is nice. um, a bunch of people have, have finally nailed down why, and, uh, a couple of fixes are in place and one, the best one I've tested is should be released in about a month. So, um, uh, maybe a little longer. So if you want, when your AES is, uh, when you're ready to do it, um, I'll put you in touch, uh, and you know, I'll have more news obviously when it's ready, but, uh, yeah, if you send it out, um, it'll come back with perfect crystal clear rgb video output as good if not better than the neo geo cd wow nice and i mean it's not going to be expensive it's i mean it's not going to be as expensive as a controller for the neo geo let alone let alone any of the crazy games so i feel like anybody that has uh, an aes really especially Uh if they they play it through an rgb monitor or a good upscaler I feel like this is a must. You know, you've, if you've already spent that much money on the console and the collection, just having a small upgrade, and you know, um, and I, the only thing I think it's going to be installer only because it is a little bit more complicated. It's not like the SNES Mini where you could just drop the board in and solder four wires to it. You know, so uh, but yeah, that's I'm excited about that one. I can't wait to post the before and after pictures too because it's you know big difference. Is it going to make it where you don't have to draw the stereo from the front? Because I can't stand that. That's one of the things I hate. So that, I hate that, that where you got to out the front of the AES and plug it in. I want a mod where stereo comes out from the scarred output of the back. I can't stand that wire that comes out in the front. I can't stand it. No, that's absolutely uh, an option. Uh, the only thing is I think um, you would just have to have the output connector changed or something. But once again, that's why I think it's going to be installer only. So, um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I agree. That's kind of bullshit, you know? I kind of want one of those ones where they transform, like, the uh, Neo Geo Arcade into the uh, the uh, console. I think those are awesome because they got the stereo coming from the output, and they got really great RGB levels on, on those, really good quality. Yep. The only thing but I'm going to say is with, the, with these new ROM cards, you could have both. Uh, ROM sets on it. You're going to be able to have the arcade and the home all through your home console. So, at that point, you might as well. If you already have an AES, you might as well just use that. Right. I would like a stand-up MVS. I don't. I, I don't know why. I don't. I just. I just think it would be really cool to have. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's cool. They they still have them. Actually, they're destroying them. Actually, just to get the boards out of them to make these uh, some of these consoles. They have to like. You know, I don't know if those arcade units are already screwed, and that's the reason why they're doing it. But yeah, I think a lot of the arcade, <clears throat> a lot of the arcade machines are really beat up now. I think, you know, especially if they were ever warehoused and there was water damage, you know, you got a gut 
the entire thing, or you could just just take out the the guts and make a consoleized version of it. So, right. Yeah, I, I hope not. I hope that people aren't taking awesome arcade cabinets and ruining them. Oh yeah, my first Nintendo with the RGB mod used a real PP. What is it? PPU or whatever it is from a arcade unit on my very first review on the RGB Nintendo when I was talking about it. That was a real RGB Me too. modded. I still have mine actually. I don't know why I just I refuse to Mark. refuse to sell it. Yep. I actually like the color levels on it, uh, especially on games like Super Mario Two and Contra, Super Mario. I thought it looked better with the arcade colors. Yeah, it did. It looked really good. But like Legend of Zelda looked like shit. <laughs> Yeah. There was there's a few of them that look really really bad. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody knows your story about your NES console, about your AV Famicom. That was uh yeah, that was I don't even like I don't even like saying that guy's name out loud, you know. Uh, Dracon Dragon or something. Yeah, it's, it's the that was just shitty. I don't know. So Yeah, I let it go, man. I I don't like the whole grudges uh and I I I don't wish anybody bad. Yeah, I was mad at the time, but you know, it's, yeah, it's, you deserve I, to be mad, but you handled it nicely. It's uh, you know, you could have been, you could have acted a lot differently, and you chose not to. So it's yeah. You know. I did. You know, he 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 was a certain way. I'm pretty sure he regrets doing shitty mods now because you know what's going on. But you know, no, he can't do anything now. Anytime he pokes his head out, you know, he's pretty much gonna get obliterated unless he likes you know hides his name. But yeah. speaking of shitty mods, how about that Dulgen dance crap? I have one of the uh, PC engines right now. I actually it was one of the trade-ins when I, I traded my 20F1U, and that was part of the deal was the PC engine. Um, so I, I never really bought it, you know. So now I got a, a RGB modded uh, PC engine, but or the Duo R mm-hmm. from Dulgen Dance, and. Uh, yeah, that that thing has like, like the there's so the jail bars are really bad on that thing, and uh, I mean it looks better on the BVM, but if you play it on like you know XRGB or anything like that, uh, it's it's really really bad. And yeah. then somebody opened up one, and it it looked like somebody you know cum shot all over the fucking board. So like you know. Well, what was worse is the um, the Dusion Dance was using two part epoxy to hold some stuff in. So as mm-hmm. much as everybody likes to make fun of hot glue, um, yeah, well, yours was really bad. But your average, you know, dab of hot glue that you put over a chip or something, you could remove that carefully with some alcohol. To get the mm-hmm. epoxy off is insane. It takes forever. And he had boards wrapped in bubble wrap. Like it was, I don't know. I, I gotta reach out to him. Maybe he just doesn't know that he's doing a bad job. Maybe he just thinks because it works on his monitor, it's fine. But. I don't think. Well, I wonder sure. if anybody's ever actually asked him about that and said, "Hey, do you know oh, that yeah. you're not doing I, it?" Right? They definitely have. After you guys talk about it, somebody's going to bring it up. He knows about it already. I'm sure. Mm. Um, you know, there's no way he don't know. I mean, the modding community is very tight. They're uh, if somebody's fucking up, believe me, they're tattletaling. They're telling. You know, they're gonna. Oh, this motherfucker here. You know. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's how it is. <laughs> it, it. It. But you know, it's sometimes people go overboard but for the most part it's really justified because it's like you know with the exception of some trolls that always like to shit on people if somebody's doing their own work for themselves and they post pictures you very often get constructive criticism some people are better than others some people are like damn that's shitty you should have done it this way some people take the time to explain why but for the most part no one's really mean about any of that stuff it's only when it's you know oh hey i just bought a, a modded snes mini for 250 what do you think 
250 bucks and it's covered in glue and the things are falling apart and there's not even CSYNC hooked up to it. And it's just, yeah, it drives me insane when you see really bad, really bad stuff that people sell on you eBay, got you know? So. Yeah, a lot of people don't know their, you know, what to look for, unfortunately. And uh, you got a lot of people out there that will spend a shit ton of money for stupid things. I mean, the, you like, you know, if nobody else is selling it and somebody says, hey, I'm going to do this and you're, you're going to get new capacitors, you're going to get a new uh, uh, laser uh, what, for your CD player on your your PC engine, I'm going to throw in this awesome RGB, you know, and, you know, whatever. And you don't have to do nothing but send me fucking 300 bucks or whatever. You know, some of those people will just like shell that shit out and be like, fuck that I don't even want to deal with it. You know, I don't want to have to go look for one. I got to spend $150 to buy one without that shit or more and then send it to him. And, it, you know, so there are people who see that there was no options back then. Nobody right. was offering this stuff. And yeah, there may have been options, but they were hidden in forms and crap. You know, this guy was smart. I'm not going to lie. Even though he did shitty work, he was smart. He went on eBay. That's what you need to do. eBay if you offer your services on eBay, then people are going to see it. It's a place where people know where to go. But, you know, that's actually my point is if that dude, if that dude charged an extra hundred on top of it, but the work was flawless, then you Uh know what? If you don't want to pay for it, don't pay for it. It's your business, not his. If the work's flawless, everything works great. But that that wasn't the case. You know, it's just, you spend a lot of money to have, have something that needs to be repaired. So, yeah i need to get mine repaired maybe i'll send it off to go get it fixed i don't know i was told that uh a voltar does them or somebody i can't remember um they'll do it or something but i don't know i don't even play it that much my only problem with it was the way it was i could not play my everdrive with it because the power wasn't wired a certain way for the everdrive to work because of some reason that it drew too much power from the cartridge port I, i can't remember but uh, that was the problem with it. Yeah. So, uh, so unless I go out and buy a bunch of uh, PC Engine games or something like that, I you know, I don't want to spend any more money. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You always got to cut yourself off after a while. Sometimes I just yeah. you know find myself buying piles of junk, and I'm like, what the hell did I just buy that oh, for? Man. I'm yes. gonna review it, put it on the website, and then never use it again. So, yeah. Oh, you got to see my RGB box. I mean, I got cables, adapters, like everything. I could hook up anything that has to do with RGB or a component or anything. Yep. I got anything that was strip of sync to, you know, like all kind of stuff. They don't even use, but like it's funny because every once in a while I'm like, I need that thing. And then I go get it. I've even got BNCs with like, you know, like the, the splitters. Yeah. Where you can have two to one instead of, you know, if you only had one input, you at least can do two. There's it's all exactly kind of stuff like out. having a big toolbox, you know? How often do you use all of the tools in your toolbox? But when you do, it's like, yeah, so glad I had that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Well, this was awesome. Thanks. I'm glad I finally got you on to, <clears throat> to talk oh, a little no bit. Sorry I'm still coughing and sick and everything. but. Oh, you're good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thanks a lot. And this, uh, your your new video, as soon as that comes up, I'll repost it and uh, – I gotta, you know, I gotta have you on at some other point again soon. Maybe after the 5200 gets RGB modded, we'll play, uh, we'll do a live stream and play some uh, Adventure 2, right? They're making a new version for the Atari 8-bit, though, a better version. Yeah. So awesome. 
I'm actually waiting for that one to come out, but he's been working on that since 2010, and it's like 2016, and it hasn't came out yet. So Jeez. hopefully he fixed that one or get it out soon. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Take it easy, guy. Bye.